This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. I'm LaDonna Humphrey. And I'm Alicia Lockhart. Welcome to the Deep Dark Secrets podcast, where we shine a light in some very dark places. We're excited today. We have a special guest with us today. Her name is Tiffany Richards, and she's the host of Crime Over Cocktails. Tiffany's podcast is a new age true crime podcast that reports on a variety of crimes, while also highlighting the importance of trauma healing for a better future. Crime Over Cocktails was founded in 2020 and currently boasts 102 amazing episodes, which are available on all major platforms, including Audible. And I'm so excited that Tiffany is here with us today in the studio. I recently had the honor of being a guest on her podcast, and we instantly hit it off. In fact, I think we bonded over audio issues, which is sort of ironic. Because what the listeners don't know is that's what happened today, too, as we were trying to set up for this podcast. So I don't know. I think we're going to be great friends. I also want to mention, too, some things about Tiffany. Tiffany is also a survivor. She's an all-around badass. And she's someone who's making a difference for victims all across the United States. Welcome to the Deep Dark Secrets podcast, Tiffany. Hey, you guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. It's always fun to get a bunch of badass women together. And so this has been an episode that I've really been looking forward to. Me Me too. too. I've been listening to some of your episodes and I'm really into just mental health practices and like spiritual practices. And I love just the variety of people, different kinds of professionals that you bring on there. Everything is so like healing focused. It's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah. When I first started out, I was doing it on other cases, but I saw that there was connections with all of these. You know, you have mental health, you have trauma, you have abuse, but you have to heal. That's why we're walking around like crazy people. You have to heal. Oh, for sure. And there's such a link in terms of like trauma and true crime and mental illness. To me, they are all kind of um, tangled up together there. So I feel like your podcast is just such a good idea to just bring it all in together and explore that area of it. 
Tiffany, would you be willing to tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and your background and, you know, what kind of drew you to those topics? Sure. I, like everyone else, probably had an unhealthy obsession with true crime. All I watched. And I had a friend of mine suggest that we should do this podcast thing. And I was like, I don't know. But we went ahead and we did it. And I just fell in love with like reporting on them, but it just it didn't seem like it was enough for me. And that's why I decided that I want to dive in and actually speak to people who have been through so many different kinds of situations. I mean, every episode is quite different. And I like it that way because there's so many different walks of life out there and somebody's going to be able to identify with something in there. And it's stuff that you could use on many different variations. You don't have to be an abuse survivor to actually take some of this stuff and put it to your own use. I think one of the things that I love about your format is it's really down to earth. It's compassionate, but it's also very compelling. I really enjoyed being on the show and just enjoyed the back and forth and engaging on the particular topic that we covered, which was Melissa Witt. It was, you know, the the books that I have written, but it was also something else that is a little bit shady, is what Alicia and I like to say. And that's the, the topic of death fetish. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we really wanted to have you on today is because we are embroiled in this national battle against death fetish predators. And we're really, really interested in hearing your thoughts on death fetish and seeing how we might be able to partner up together. Absolutely. I gave it a lot of thought about who could be into this kind of stuff. And, you know, it might be like your normal horror movie lover, but it just like grew and it grew and somewhere it went left. And sometimes actually the loss of a loved one, people start to obsess about death. And then again, if you make that turn, you're going to the dark side. Some people are just evil. These are things that are not normal. You know that they know they shouldn't be doing these. Yeah, I think that's important to point out. And I totally agree with that. I think that there is some level of just like a gut feeling in these death fetish predators. I feel like they do know that there's something inherently wrong here. Some of them will type that in the forums where, you know, they'll talk about how they felt like this was such a, a dark or shameful secret, something that they couldn't ever discuss with other people and how relieved they are to have found these death fetish forums online with thousands of people that are thinking the same things, fantasizing about the same things. and. From a mental health standpoint, these boards really normalize that these are um, just typical fantasies, typical sexual leanings for people. And I find that to be so, so startling. But as you were saying, I think that they do have that first gut reaction or, you know, when people talk about their intuition, it's like the first thing that pops into your head. Your first response to something often is like the most accurate or the most true. And so I feel like a lot of these fetishers, their first response is to keep this a secret, to feel shameful about it, to feel like they're freaks or like there's something wrong with them. And I think that you're right. I think they do to some degree know that this isn't quite right to be um, having thoughts like this about dead women. Well, I think one of the things that Tiffany touched on, too, it's like she checked off some boxes of things that we see in the forums all the time. 
a lot of this did start with like scary movies with some of these folks when they were younger, like horror movies. That's a checked box. <laughs> and some of this has started with an obsession about death, of death, of all things. Maybe they want to die or maybe a loved one has died or they saw some sort of a scene on a movie or in a horror flick, as you mentioned. And so you really hit on a lot of what we see in these forums uh, in terms of this is how it started for them. And then they just take it, like you said, to that next level and they stay entrenched in a culture that tells them that this is okay and there's nothing wrong with it. And the problem is, is that it leads to murder. I mean, we see it again and again and again. No. And you know, what's really crazy. It took me a minute to like sit and think about it. And I did an episode on a girl named Amanda Taylor. And it was almost like this kind of situation. Her husband committed suicide on their son's birthday. And so after that, she was never the same. But then he hung himself. So she got obsessed with that. And so she would watch videos and she would look at photos. And then it just grew from there to all kinds of stuff. And Something I want to point out is this stuff isn't exactly like super easy to find. So they know on some kind of level that you can't just let anybody find this on the Internet. Like that's why it's called the dark web. Like that shit's in there. <laughs> so the fact that you have to even go through stuff like that to even find stuff like that, it just blows my mind that that's really how determined you are to find it. But there's a reason why. There's always a reason why. Well, I think there's a variety of reasons why. And this is just what we've seen. And it's frightening to talk about. But I think it goes back to a lot of these people have this natural desire, this leaning, this bent, this whatever you want to call it, to actually commit murder. And then they go off and they do it. And that's one of the main reasons why we think these forums, the movies, the photo, they call it artwork. They call it manips, where they take a photo and they manipulate it. So they're manipulated photographs where you take a normal picture and then you turn it into this graphic, gory, disgusting depiction of a woman. It's really creepy. Oh, yeah. No, I politely declined. <laughs> exactly. And they justify and they say and they scream from the rooftops and all of the things that you can imagine. There's nothing wrong with this. It's OK. We're not hurting anybody. But the truth is, is that they are very much hurting other people. It is inciting things in other people that does lead to murder. And I just think the glorification of the murder of young women is a really horrific thing that should not exist. And it's definitely not an art form. It's definitely not something that should be allowed. And it's been a frustrating process, I think, for Alicia and I to come up against this community that's so combative with us because, of course, they see it differently because they love death fetish and they tell us there's nothing wrong with it. We disagree with them. We're fighting against death fetish. And their answer to this is to stalk, harass and threaten us, give us death threats. So that in and of itself says that this is an entire community of people that has some serious issues. Oh, for sure. I mean, they might not be hurting anyone now, but when does that hunger get satisfied? That's what we worry about all the time, because as we started researching these forums, we were really curious after we first discovered them. To us, we were looking at this content. And like you said, Tiffany, it's like you want to just know about you want to be like, no, thank you. But 
for some reason, LaDonna and I could not turn away. We both felt very strongly that this was our business. We needed to look into this and figure out if there were people um, getting human trafficked, people getting murdered. Like we just were so disturbed by the mass number of people interested in this and the the different producers making these videos that were just glorifying murder and violence and necrophilia that we were asking between each other behind closed doors, do you think these videos are fake snuff, like they say, you know, simulated snuff, or could some of them be real? And we wanted to do that research and figure out not only that, but also if any of these little forum users who log in for like 10, 12, 14 hours a day talking about this shit. We're like, do any of them cross the line, you know, or are they harmless? Like they are all saying that they are because that's their biggest defense. They're always going to say, oh, it's just fantasy. Nobody would ever act on any of this. We're just having fun in here. So we really had to dig pretty deep and look around. And once we started doing that research, We were able to just find case after case after case, you know, just true crime cases where the murderer had been in these forums talking to people and purchasing these videos for sometimes years before they acted out their fantasies in real life. And then when we discovered that, we were like, wow, we really need to be talking about this with people. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we have people like Tiffany on the show you know, to talk about this for a variety of reasons. I mean, you've been in the true crime genre for several years now. You're a victim advocate. So you've seen all the things. You've heard all the things. And I think it's important to us and to our listeners and to even the death fetish community to hear from other people who are well-versed in all the things that I just talked about and to get also your opinion because it's so easy for the fetishers to write off LaDonna and Alicia as, oh, that's just what they believe. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing. And so I think that there is power in numbers. And I think it's important for our listeners and for the community as a whole to hear from other people, not just us. And that's one of the goals that we have is to bring people onto the podcast who can add a different perspective and analyze this from, you know, where they're sitting in their life, you know, their life experiences, their world their job, all those things. So I think that you're perfect to kind of take a look at this, Tiffany, and say, oh, hell no, or whatever you're feeling based on death fetish. My thing is, I'm just worried, how far does it go? I mean, in my episode with Amanda Taylor, she ended up murdering people. So, you know, she took that extra step. She went and killed Rex's dad because he's the one who got him on pain pills and she didn't want to stop there she wanted to keep going and I think when you look at stuff like this you know it's wrong so in a sense it probably gives you a fork feeling because you already know you're doing something that's not it's not accepted you know you can't have sex with dead people like come on like no stop it And so I get scared on when is it ever enough? Like I said, when is that hunger fed? Is it ever fed? I'm not sure all people will get to that level, but I bet more than half probably do. I'm not sure either that all people get to that level, but I think that participating in these communities and making them a nips and ordering the custom films and writing the stories 
that that could very well push other people who are right on that edge, who are desperately wanting to know what it feels like to actually murder someone or to commit an act of necrophilia. I think those people are guilty of a crime too, because they're pushing others to say, hey, this is okay. This is normal how you feel. Let's spend hours of our life every day obsessed with this until you actually do something else, which is take action. And I feel like that makes producers responsible. I mean, Alicia, am I taking that too far? I don't think so. When I look at this topic from kind of a mental health perspective as well, there's a lot of things about what these forum members and what these producers are doing that reminds me of addiction cycles where like, when you were mentioning the producers, it's like they're almost a drug dealer of sorts because they're creating this content that's super, super shocking, appalling, you know, just depraved content. And they're putting it out there as fast as they can for these forum users who are in there for hours and hours a day, just soaking it all up. And they need those videos to get some kind of excitement or a sexual thrill when they're watching it. And I do believe that eventually the videos that they're watching may not be doing it for them. And so, you know, they might switch to a more hardcore version of that kind of film, or they might get to the most hardcore version of that film and it's just not doing anything anymore. And they've become desensitized and they have some kind of tolerance to it. And so some of them might go out and do this. Some of them do, we've discovered. And it's not every single forum member that's going to go along that way. Just like with substances, some people can just kind of casually smoke a cigarette and then stop smoking while other people are addicted for life. So it really does seem like there's some kind of link there in terms of like addiction. Even that sex addict, they have to go find prostitutes and escorts and stuff like that. You're going to find that fix. And even if you are someone who deep down, you're never going to perform these acts, you don't know whose lap that's going to end up in. You could have just handed a crazy person a perfect scenario to do these things. That's scary. Yeah, you could even be giving inspiration or ideas to somebody who is open to being violent, is open towards rape and abuse as a producer making these videos where there's all these different scenarios, all these different ways that you could harm a woman before you have sex with her dead body. And you're right, it's very suggestive. And I wonder if some of these people in these forums are watching these videos and they're getting ideas, they're getting inspiration, and some of them do take that and run with it. And it's hard for me not to wonder, just prevention-wise, what if that person wasn't able to find that content? Maybe that would be sort of a like a red flag for them. Like, oh, I can't even find a pornography like this online. This is not good. I, I probably should talk to somebody about these thoughts that I have. I think, too, one of the things I wanted to share with Tiffany is like, let me read you a tweet written by a fetisher who really likes to defend his love for death fetish. And I want you to tell me what you think about this. He says, there should be a word for sexualizing moments where villains get defeated in sexy ways. You see how he's wording that? He's, he's trying to be very careful 
to say, hey, I'm not glorifying the murder of women. He's saying for sexualizing moments where villains get defeated in sexy ways, death fetish is misleading, he goes on to say. And for those who don't care about the death per se, but more the underlying dynamic, I suggest we call it a comeuppance kink. What do you think about that? Oh, what? Yeah, good old Raphael Sharp likes to call his propensity, his love for death fetish. He wants to call it a comeuppance kink. I, I don't get it. No, no, no. What villain dies in a sexy way? Like... He does acid. That's what he does. He goes on to say that those that are against death fetish, essentially, they're not open-minded, that this is really a kink. This is us kink shaming. And that's not it at all. This is not about stuff that goes on in your bedroom that we're trying to shame you for. We're talking about the glorification of murder. And if that is going on, yes, I think that there's a problem. I think it's dangerous. And there's Raphael Sharp, there's Jessica X, there's XJ900. There's so many other folks that are in the community that are trying to demonstrate that Alicia and I are making these nonstop casual claims that death fetish is wrong. But I think that they believe that because they've insulated themselves within a community that tells them it's okay. And so we really want to pull all of this out into the light so they're no longer insulated and they can see that most people don't think that this is okay. Most people are frightened by this behavior and most people want to see it stopped. Because what's next? These people have like a high peak. You know, if you're going to get interested in stuff like that, you're interested in like some really weird kinky shit. I've seen people set it up to where somebody breaks in their house and they get like raped because they want to know what that's like that's just weird and what if they actually liked it and now you're going to go try it on somebody who's not a willing participant people need to be willing participants in this stuff if you're dead you cannot say yes and if you don't know something is going to happen you cannot say yes that's where the blurry lines come in. There's a lot of blurry lines here. And I love that you use the term willing participant. I've never even really acknowledged how ironic that is in like a place where necrophilia is one of the main topics. <laughs> you're absolutely right. There isn't a willing participant there. It's a, it's a dead body. You can't consent when you're dead. Although I did read one passage in there where it was... Uh, was a user named Grace X, who the screen name is a woman's name. A lot of times, though, it's just guys in there that are pretending to be women so they can role play death fantasies. But this Grace X person was saying that one of the best parts of these fantasies for her was, I guess, just like envisioning that moment where she her soul would leave her body and she would watch her body being defiled or raped by somebody from a buck. And so uh, reading that, I was like, wow, that's how they get around the no consent thing. They're just imagining the girl's soul is watching and like giving a blessing there. Like it's just, it's cuckoo bananas. It's bizarre. But one of the things that you just said, Alicia, I wanted to kind of hammer home is that a great percentage of these people in this community are men, you know, they're men. And a great percentage of those people pretend to be women within the community, right? With these screen names. There's very few real live women that are participating in this or think that it's okay or join these forums. And 
that's how they are justifying this in their head. Oh, well, there's Trisha, there's Grace X, there's Jessica X. No, I'm sorry. These people are really men that love death fetish who are pretending to be a woman in the forum to make you all think that women think that this is okay, that they want to potentially be raped, murdered, strangled, shot, drowned, all of those things. I mean, that is the definition of insanity, if you ask me. I saw one episode. It wasn't that long ago. I want to say it was on the ID network, and it was a woman. She was very depressed. I think it was on Web of Lies. She actually met up with a man, so he would kill her and eat her body. Wow. Do you remember any of the names? You said it was on Web of Lies. Yes. She drove all the way to him. It was not like down the road. So it was like shown that she actually did drive to him. She stayed the night in a hotel. He came to the hotel. They talked about what they were going to do. And then the next day is when they found her body absolutely crazy and he said that she just wanted to go and she was taking a pill cyanide or something and that because he really wanted to know what it was like to eat somebody okay. so she found these people in these forums to see who would do whatever to her she's like i don't care what happens to me after i'm dead because he's like do you care what happens to your body and she's like no but at the end of the day, he couldn't even do it. He, he didn't eat her. What a cannibalistic coward. I, it's just crazy to me. It's so disgusting. We're going to have to find who that is. That sounds yeah. like another episode, Alicia. I have so much to say here. So one thing that I want to say here is that, like, Tiffany, this is the good stuff. When you look at true crime through the lens of death fetish, you start to really see the problem here. And the problem is that there are more and more murders that we are discovering every single day that actually tie back into this community. Right. And in case they are listening, something I do want them to know, when they looked back, they're going to hijack your computers and shit, and they're going to look through it. And they found their communications, even though it was in writing, even though she said she wanted this. He still went to prison. So know that. Exactly. And that brings me to the other thing I keep circling around here. I was like astounded, Tiffany, that you mentioned the term willing victim. It's a hot topic in the forums. Everyone's looking for a willing victim in there. And they somehow just think if they find the magic unicorn, you know, like the suicidal female, that it will be okay for them to do this. And so I love that you just came out and said that it's not okay. And I think that ties back to mental health as well. How can you really be a willing victim? What if you're not in a mental place to consent to your death? And that's pretty much what it ended up being. Obviously, this was a cry for help. She was not well. And she did put a lot of thought into this. And like I said, she traveled. She was down. But was she like an empty shell? Was she really there? She had a kid. Did she seek the proper channels? I don't know. These death fetishers are looking for these quote-unquote willing victims in communities where they think they can find weaker women, right? Weaker people who would consent to this because in their mind is kind of what you touched on. Well, if they are consenting to this, then I can't, you know, be charged with a crime because they wanted to be murdered. And that's wrong. 
in and of itself. But I think really a lot of these people are just cowards. They're talking a big, big game, right? They're not ever going to find the courage to act on it. But it's that encouragement that they give again in those forums to the people who may say, oh, yeah, I am really going to do it. Hey, yeah, my neighbor, I'm going to lure her over here, you know, because I want to see what it's going to be like to hang her and then to cook her body parts. I mean, this happens. It happens all across the world. And you would just be shocked at how frequently this is a part of people's lives, just talking about cannibalism, just talking about death, just fantasizing about those things. And then to have these fetishers get so upset with Alicia and I for hosting this podcast and doing everything that we have to do to fight them, it's a little ironic, I think, that they find our work so offensive. And yet they're talking about murdering innocent young women. It doesn't make any sense. I'm getting on my soapbox, Alicia. I can feel that that moment's coming, right? It's just hypocritical and ridiculous. And then some, I'm going to step off the soapbox here. I just want to say, I don't know how much of a manly man you are if your username is Lucy Lou. You know, somebody that has to make death threats. I mean, people have threatened to burn our houses down to traffic our family members. I mean, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. Think about this, ladies. What kind of a wimp do you have to be that the person you want to pursue romantically is dead? I feel like it's worse than pedophilia. It's like you're such a, I don't even have the right word for it. You're such a wimp, such an incompetent, powerless person that the only kind of woman that you can pursue and think that you can, you know, obtain is it a dead one. Yeah, I even did an episode. Her name was Jessica. The stepdad's name was Gary. And he killed his stepdaughter. And once she was dead, he had sex with her body. He had a unnatural obsession for a little while. And I kind of wonder if he married the mom to get closer to the daughter. Yeah, it totally could be. It seems to be that there's some sort of correlation here with... um child pornography and death pornography, which if you look at that psychologically, those are both people that are so messed up. They're predatory. They are going for the low-hanging fruit, something that they can easily overpower. So it makes sense to me that those, those things would be correlated in some way. And we believe that we'll continue to see more of that as we research cases that people who have this death fetish pornography on their computers, a lot of times they have child pornography too. And psychologically that tracks to me because they're just looking for somebody that they can easily take advantage of. They're just predators. To me, that points to low self-esteem. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't prey on smaller people unless you're not feeling so big and mighty yourself. You just don't. That's like a natural law. Children are children. What you could ever find attractive as like a six-year-old girl or a six-year-old boy, I'll never understand. I don't know if it's because they know it's like taboo and everything. But something people need to realize is you literally just took this person's whole future away for your own personal gain. Because after you do stuff like this to people, they're never the same. Never. Right. It's incredibly damaging. And 
I believe you're right. I believe they're doing this because they themselves are, you know, feeling very insecure, very small, very self-conscious, and they can't even fathom looking at somebody their age and think that they would be able to secure a partner in that way. It's like they have to choose somebody who doesn't have the option to reject Right. So I think when you mentioned that Jessica and Gary case with the stepfather, that's another fantastic example of a true crime case that very likely, you know, we could pull court records there and find out that man was in the death fetish community, too. So it's fascinating to me to just hear the cases that come to mind for different people when we talk about this topic. And I think that as we continue to dig in here, I think that it could be even bigger than we realize it is now. If you could find proof linking everything, it would be huge. I always say I got case files in my head. (laughs) I fold them in there. But literally, I mean, I can think of stories I might have watched and not realized that that was a connection. And pretty much any case that involves necrophilia is par for the course there. We're not saying that we can always find that person's username. You know, some of them happened before the forums were a thing. But any cases that come out after like 97, 98 that have elements of necrophilia in them, that's enough for me to be like, I'm going to try and figure out if this guy had a computer, if he was looking up this content. Because a lot of times, yes, is the answer. They were. Right. I think that gives us a whole other angle of things that we can work on, Alicia. And that's reaching out to other podcasters, more podcasters like Tiffany, who are entrenched in doing the good work, the victim advocacy on their podcast, and just find out how many cases that they have covered that have talked about necrophilia or that they think could overlap with death fetish. I think then what you said earlier is going to happen. I think we're going to see a snowball effect. We're just going to see There is so much more out there than we could have ever imagined. I think so, too. And I think it's really important for us to make those connections for people, because once we have this giant body of basically evidence, look, these things are linked, then it's really going to hit home the advocacy work that we're trying to do with our podcast. Ultimately, our main goal is that these death fetish forums and websites and these simulated snuff films would be, as much as possible, taken off the internet. We don't want them influencing people. And we know that we can't really control what's on the dark web, but these videos are so prevalent at this point. that They are on the surface web. They are in the deep web. They are videos that your teenagers can find just from doing a Google search. They will pop up at this point. Some of these forums pop up in a Google search. So it's serious. It needs to go. Not safe for this content to be available for people who are in a bad headspace mentally. They shouldn't be able to look up like dead girl porn and be able to find it. It it scares me so much that you can find that on the surface web. We have to do everything that we can to eradicate that. It's got to stop. You know, on that kind of a note, I know we're going to wrap up soon this episode, but Tiffany, before we do, I was hoping that maybe you would be willing to address the death fetishers yourself. Just make a statement directly to them if you felt comfortable. I think it's important that they hear from other people like you. You need to really take a good look at yourself. Figure out what is it inside of you that is attracting you to this. Pinpoint it. When was your first thought about it? 
have you seen a pattern where it's getting more frequent or you need to keep upping the ante? These are problems. If you're thinking about hurting other people, you're not just affecting that person. You affect their family. You affect their community. That's not fair. And you don't get to play God. So cut it out. That's what I got to say. Good. I think they need to hear it. They need to hear it from other people because they think that it's just us and we're these two crazy ladies barking at the moon. But they're going to see that we're not the only people that feel this way and that there's something seriously wrong going on here and they should be talking to a therapist, not each other. So thank you so much for being willing to just call them out and speak to them directly. And this has been such a fascinating discussion. And you've definitely given us like several cases that we need to go look into. And please, if you, you know, if you're just laying in bed one night and another one pops in your head, send us an email or something because we'll follow it down. And we want to make sure that we're getting those connections made with all the cases that we can find. Absolutely. I'll start a list. I'm pretty sure his name was Gregory Gaff. I think it's G-A-F-F. But I will get those and then that way you can get like a couple other names that might have been involved in those cases and then kind of do a dive. Because, I mean, that would be very eye opening even to themselves if they think that what they're doing is completely harmless. Maybe you need to see the proof yourself that people are getting hurt. And you don't know five years down the road if there's something that's just going to switch over in your brain after you've been influenced by this stuff for years and years and years. And I, I think you're right. I think it's so important for them to see this isn't just some case that's unrelated. This was your username, blotty blah, that was right there next to you all these years. Absolutely. Well, now I'm on my soapbox. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for taking the time to come on our show today to just give your opinion and, you know, your insight from your perspective on what this really means and what's going on here. It just it means so much to us that we can link arms with other advocates, other like minded people and other badass women and just band together and fight this sick world of death fetish. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here. If I made one person decide to exit out of that forum and never go back, I did my job. Well, it's been an honor, Tiffany. I'm so excited that you were here today. Definitely an important conversation today, and we appreciate you. And we want to thank everyone who's listening right now. And also just encourage all of you listeners to go take a listen to Tiffany's podcast. It's called Crime Over Cocktails, and she's just doing some really amazing work. She really is. Good job, Tiffany. And thank you again. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We're going to be back next week. We're here every Monday with more stories of the ongoing war that Alicia and I are waging against the death fetish community. Until then, I want everyone, please stay safe. And remember, keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode